Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, I ask you to please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and our YouTube channel, where you can access all our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in the faith journey. Enjoy. We're doing a Christmas series. Dustin started last week. I thought Dustin did an excellent job. Um, Excellent job. Excellent. Presenting um, the the groundwork. And uh, we're going to continue on in that, uh, uh, that light. Christos with us. And today, uh, my message is titled, Clothed in Christos. Clothed in Christos. Some of the most beautiful poetry ever penned came from people who heard the greatest poet of all poets, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit inspired a man to describe the coming of Jesus in these words in Luke chapter number one. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And I love this. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the pathway of peace. Just a little bit of... uh, Letting you know a little bit about me. Uh, at Christmas time, I go in my personal devotions, all KGV. I go KGV. That's my Christmas jam translation. I love the poetry. Uh, I love old English. I love old literature. I love the poetry of the King James, especially at Christmas time. And that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to start a denomination on that, but that's just me. I, I really, really, really love that. Um, this describes what Jesus was going to bring. And the Holy Spirit is speaking through Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, and is just summarizing with this dazzling brilliance all that Isaiah, all that Micah, all that Jeremiah, and all the prophets said before, that there would be a visit from heaven, that God would visit from heaven, and he wasn't going to go back home. He was going to visit and stay that there would be an operation of such power that the chains of sin would be broken off the hearts of many people. And he said it would come through Yahweh's tender mercy. Tender mercy. That this work would be described like the wonder of a new morning light coming down from above to stay with us to shine on us, to welcome us, to warm us, and to bring us back into a place of wonder. I just prayed this past week, Abby, I just prayed this past week, Lord, please take my heart back to childlike wonder. And watching your little one just led by her heart to come, It was just as I saw that it moved me, I thought, you know, there's the answer to my prayer right there. There's the answer to my prayer. That What a beautiful expression that was this morning, right? Um, And I say again, the altars are always open during worship time, during any time. And honestly, even if during this, you don't have to wait for me to get done. You know me, I might never get done. (laughs) But if God moves on your heart and you need to get the feet of Jesus, get to the feet of Jesus, I will be the last person that will say to you, what are you doing? Uh Uh-uh, I'll know what you're doing. I might join you. I might have Tim Skiles finish the sermon or Dustin, and I'll come and join you. Let's just be open to the moving of the Holy Spirit, right? How many of you are open to that? You'll be open to the moving? Yeah. The wordsmith of wordsmiths, that's what I call the Holy Spirit. He uses a word like day spring. Who uses a word like that? Day spring. The day spring from on high. That's how he describes Jesus coming. 
a sunrise so that dark times and dark people and dark dungeons and darkness itself can never, ever be able to extinguish the light of God in a permanent way. Never, never, never. So then three decades pass after this expression, this act coming into the world, and this description that's a person born in a manger grows up in the shelter of Mary and Joseph, obscure but protected, growing up in grace, in the favor of God and people. And now he comes on the stage in the story that's been being told since the garden of God. And the echoes of that story go on through the ages where Peter says that men moved by the Spirit took great pains and effort to understand the times and the person the Holy Spirit was pointing to. And they came to realize they were not serving themselves, but us when they were telling about the coming of this one that would be in God's fullness of time. So 30 years after the manger, the last and greatest prophet, according to Jesus, was waiting for this moment, John, the baptizer. John, the baptizer, that's what he did. And he knew intimately that he would recognize the Lamb of God, that he would recognize the... um, the king. And how would he recognize? Because God told him, you will see, you will see someone clothed, clothed in heavenly array. That's how you'll know. So John is in the muddy, murky waters of the Jordan, and he's baptizing people. But he's doing it with an anticipation He's waiting for someone. The pages of the prophetic scrolls would release from the parchments this one who would touch the waters with his feet. The same waters that Elijah struck with his mantle and parted them. Now would come the one who would make all things new. And he would step into those waters and reverse the curse and cause, metaphorically, the waters of darkness and death to roll all the way back to Adam's fall. And the voice that sounded like many waters stepped down into our waters of repentance. And when he did, John said, there was a voice that spoke And he was clothed, not John, this one. He was clothed and the son of God who existed before the beginning, the son of man, Jesus of Nazareth, had an experience that clothed him. I'm talking today about what kind of clothes Jesus wore. Not about a robe, But what did he wear? What did Jesus of Nazareth wear? He wasn't known as Jesus the Christ. He was known as Jesus of Nazareth, but something happened right there, and he was clothed. Yesu Christos. Christos with us. And Christos on us. That's what we're going to talk about today. So Heavenly Father, I pray... I believed since the moment I walked in this building that somebody was going to get apprehended by the power of the Spirit of God. Somebody that already has the Bible in their heart, somebody that already has the Spirit in their life residing within. Today is going to be a day where they have the Spirit come upon them in brand new clothes. My prayer is that I would have that experience today fresh. And I pray that our church would have a fresh clothing of this clothing that we're going to ask you to help us describe that came upon Jesus of Nazareth when you launched his ministry. We pray that you would launch ours fresh. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Christ's clothing. Well, the clothing, the Christos clothing, was a clothing of favor. Favor from the Father. Watch this in Luke 3. It says, and it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. Think of the word immersed in water. Don't think religiously. Think when Jesus was immersed in water, how many good Baptists are here? Full immersion folk, huh? And we like to read that real slowly, the, the Baptist people, right? They're fully immersed in, right? I mean, John didn't spring, just saying. I'm not, just saying. He was immersed in water. And while he prayed, look at this closely, the heaven, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended. It was like a portal. God's always been here, never left. But there was a portal and the Holy Spirit came down in bodily form like a dove upon him, upon Jesus of Nazareth. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. How many of you really want to go into the word this morning? You, want, you, you come to really get in the word, like really go, hmm. You get to walk out of here and go, hmm. You know, hmm, yeah. Okay, listen, listen. Do you, know, do you know that from the moment Jesus of Nazareth was born, he was God in the flesh, Right? Are you with me? Come on. Okay. He was God in the flesh. Paul describes it like this. The fullness of deity lived in him, in him in bodily form. He, he, he was fully God. The Holy Spirit was, and, and, the, and the Father and the Son have never separated in union. So when Jesus was born of a virgin, he was God, not a little God or not less than God, fully God in bodily form. Yet, when he stepped into the waters with the Spirit of God fully in him, the Spirit of God clothed him, clothed his body. His ministry did not begin even though he was fullness of God in the flesh. His ministry did not begin until the Holy Spirit clothed him, and that's what we're talking about. That's important, and we're going to talk about why, because this is the unique distinction of what releases the kingdom power through people. This clothing of Jesus was a clothing of favor, a unique anointing a christening, if you will, an anointing that was a glory unknown to any prophet, any king, any human, was unique on Jesus of Nazareth. A glory of favor from the creator, unique to this man and this man alone. Only this man, favor, well-pleased, highest favor, was on Jesus of Nazareth. It's echoing back to Isaac's rapturous words that he bestowed on Jacob when he smelled the aroma of Esau's garments. And Jacob immediately released words of blessing on his son. Or Isaac did, I'm sorry. It's like Joseph in the Old Testament, his coat that radiated... uh, but it was placed on him by Jacob. Unique. But the, the blessing that came on Jacob and the blessing that came on Joseph was nothing compared to the favor that came on this unique one. The glory of Jesus was that he and only he walked as the only begotten son of God on the earth. But he always was that. Always was. But it was in the baptismal waters that the heaven portal opened and the clothing of that favor came upon him, not just to be on him, but to be released through him. That's something about Christ's clothes. Here's another thing about his clothes. So think of that. The second thing is this. 
And I want you to pick these up and put them in the pocket of your spirit. Because we're going to be talking about you and, and me in a minute. The second unique aspect of the clothing of the spirit on Jesus was healing power. Healing power. Watch these verses. Acts 10.36, Peter is preaching. He says, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Watch this, how God anointed, he christened, how God clothed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Now, wait a minute. He already had the Holy Spirit in him. But there was a unique moment when the one who had the Holy Spirit, like no human did, he was God in the flesh. There was a moment that the Spirit clothed them. And the clothing of the Spirit with dunamis power was for this reason. He went about doing good and healing how many people? How many people are answering? Here's the, here, here's the answer. Here's the answer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Woo! Man, didn't you feel that? Wow! Let's try it again. How many people? Jesus is real. Okay. (laughs) Healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Why? For God was with him. This clothing, this clothing was of power to be released through him. This clothing was God with him wherever he went. It was a dove work, but it was dynamic. When we think of dove, we might think of weak, but think of it this way. This dove-like anointing on Jesus was a ministry that Isaiah said he would carry, and it would, it would be dove-like toward, listen, toward broken people, toward lost people, toward disenfranchised people, through poverty-stricken people, through demonic-tormented people, through people stricken and lost and, 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 and not knowing their way. Jesus, this anointing from God, this favor on the Lord was released to these people in such a way that the unique favor of the Father was really, Jesus gives away what he has. He doesn't lose lose anything he gives away. He just brings other people into it. And so the dove-like anointing was released to the people that were broken and humble. But the lion anointing, the roar never went at the people. It went at the demonic entities that were tormenting the people. He was dove-like, think of this church, dove-like toward the broken and the lost, Lion roar toward the darkness that binds. This was who Jesus was. He didn't oppress the oppressed. He lifted them up into the favor of himself. But he broke the powers of darkness with a lion roar. Here's an example. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit. And again, he's clothed now. And news about him spread throughout the district. And he, and he opened the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opened the book and found the place where it was written. Listen. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Again, this was, a, this was Jesus of Nazareth, the son of God, who walked in the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. He didn't have less of the spirit. But the point is, Jesus of Nazareth was going to operate as the son of God, but son of man in ministry. And he was clothed with this power, why? To preach the gospel to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, an anointing of clothing of power on him that he could speak it and people would be released, okay? Recovery of sight to the blind and set free those who were oppressed, why? and proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. That's who he was. While he was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. Covered. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus touched his hand, touched, reached out his hand, touched the man. There's the favor. And he said, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left. News about this spread everywhere. Large crowds started to gather. Wouldn't you, if you heard that, wouldn't you go running? 
I mean, you'd cancel your fishing trip on Sunday and you'd go back to church. And one day he was teaching and all the people that needed healed of sicknesses came close because they heard somebody else got healed. And the Pharisees came with their YouTube cameras to investigate whether Jesus was biblical. And the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. He says to the paralytic, I say to you, get up and pick up your stretcher and go home. And I love this word. And immediately... He got up before them, picked up his mat, and went on home glorifying God. And the people said, we've seen remarkable things today. Imagine, imagine a church clothed in this kind of anointing that people left going. We have seen, not just heard, we've seen amazing things today. Is there any broken people in the world that might need an amazing work of God? Or did that pass away along with the gifts? And the devil. Didn't the devil pass away too? Here's the thing. The favor of God and the healing power of God was released through the Son of God as Son of Man Not until he was clothed with power from on high in the baptismal waters of John. Here's something else about Christ's clothes. The third one is this. It's our promise. It's our promise. Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been Clothed with power from on high. In Ephesians 1, in one of the early volumes that I preached about rags to riches, we went over and over about the two-word phrase, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And when, if we're not careful when we, when we read that and study it, we don't think in Christos. We don't think in the clothing of favor and power. We think, I'm positioned as a Christian. I ask Jesus in my heart, right? And I'm saved. That's not what Paul is trying to get across to the church. What Paul is trying to get across to the church is, God saved us, birthed us in the spirit to be living in the enrichment of this power clothing just like Jesus of Nazareth. In Christ, we're clothed with the unique favor. And in Christos, there is a dynamic that God wants to release through those who are immersed in the Spirit. God wants to broaden our understanding and he wants to enlarge the tent of our spirit mind to realize that this is about living in the clothing of favor and power more than being just thinking I'm positioned in, a, as a, in Christ Jesus, forgiven of sins awaiting heaven to come. God wants to release heaven on earth through us. I'll say it over here. God wants to release heaven on earth through us. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, even so I'm sending you. Do you know in the the tabernacle, someone preached about the tabernacle, I heard at this church a while back, and uh, what I didn't get able to get to was what Jesus, what what, uh, Moses was, Moses heard the Holy Holy Spirit, the Father say, um, the, the garments that are on the priests are for two things, two words, beauty and glory. Beauty and glory, an awareness of something that's not of this world, clothing the priest of God and glory, which is God releasing himself through, God releasing himself through the representative of God on earth. Let me ask you this question. When Peter and John went up to the temple at the hour of prayer, they went into the temple through a gate. Does anybody remember what the name of that gate was? The what? The beautiful gate. And there was a man uh, crippled from birth 
sat daily at the gate waiting for a love offering from the church. Because that's about all you could give. Give your money. That's all we could give. Give your money. But Peter said, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have? How many of you would rather have a love gift of a couple hundred bucks from a church or uh, be able to walk? uh, You've never walked a day in your life and be able to walk. Wouldn't it? Don't you wish God was still around? Don't you wish the Lord was still around? And so they go to this gate and the Lord is saying to us, I want to send you to gates that aren't beautiful and I want you to give what's what you're clothed in, and make that person's gate beautiful. In other words, create a portal over their life where heaven opens and the beauty and the glory of the Lord is released through your life into the life of crippled, blind souls, battered, broken, bruised, unable to hear the word of the Lord, and you come into their world clothed with power to release beauty and glory through you and make their gate beautiful so that they're crippled and then for the rest of their life they go walking and leaping and praising God. Jesus was baptized in water, but the clothing was a different kind of immersion. You, how many of you have been baptized in water? I've been baptized in water. I got baptized in water twice. Um, I got water baptized when I was eight years old. I remember praying the prayer in a Baptist church to receive Jesus as my personal savior, not an impersonal savior, but a personal one. And, and, And I did that. I got baptized again when I was 17 because I'm not sure if that one took when I was eight because I... Because after that, I didn't walk with Jesus at all. I get concerned for people who are trusting a decision way back when, but it never made Jesus the Lord of their life in the now and now. I'm not so sure it took. So when the Lord really touched my life, I felt like I needed to really get baptized in water. But you know, there's something that's more important than water baptism, John 3.16, most people know, even heathens. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Come on, heathens. Oh, anyway. <laughs> but I'm kidding. Merry Christmas. But, but for God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That's John 3.16. Do you know what Luke 3.16 says? And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. In other words, John said, I baptize you in water for the remission of your sins, but he is greater than I. I'm not even worthy to unloose the latchet of the sandals on his foot. And he will immerse you. I mean, he will take you and and, and baptize you in the Spirit. I'm some, sometimes wondering if the apostles came down from heaven into our world and came to many churches, they would ask this question. Did you receive the spirit when you believed? Something's missing. Someone's missing. Not everywhere. But there is a, you can't read the New Testament letters of Paul to the churches and not hear Paul go, I know that when the gospel came to you, it wasn't just with words, it was with power. There was someone that clothed your life. That's this thing I'm talking about. This is a baptism beyond water. This is a baptism into the Christos, into the clothing that came on Jesus of Nazareth. It's funny, I, uh, sometimes I have auto, auto type, or, you know, and you're typing stuff and you have to look because the word you think you typed is not in my notes, just so you know uh, how spiritual I am. I, I meant to ask you, are you baptized in the Christos? And it came out, are you baptized in the Cheetos? So... 
That's what it says right. That's what it says right there. Are you baptized in the Cheetos? Good thing I didn't like print this and send it out for you to read it this afternoon. Are you baptized in? How many of you are baptized in the Cheetos? Right? Yeah. I hear you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He will immerse you in the Christos. This is a promise. This is a promise. Let me tell you what this Christos clothing looks like. Let's look at the fashion of it. In Acts chapter 11, it says, when he, Barnabas, came and had seen, seen the grace of God. How do you see the grace of God? It's, it, it, it's, it's, an, it's, an, it's an evident, it's an evident awareness of people living in some kind of realm that's out of the ordinary. When Barnabas saw the grace of God on the church in Antioch, he was glad and he encouraged them all with, that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. In other words, man, what you, what you have going on, stay in that. This is that. This, this, is, this is church. This is church. Someone just told me the other day that uh, they, they started, Lord led them to here, and, and uh, they had been, and they came in, and after the, the, the couple said, well, what did you think? And, and the husband said, I was at church today. That's what we want right there. That's what we want, right? But how many of you know we haven't arrived? I, I want to make sure, I, I, I want us immersed in the clothing of Jesus. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, watch this. Barnabas saw this visible presence of the favor of God on a people. The world of Antioch, the non-saved, saw it too. And you know what they did? They called them Christians, which was a derogatory manner. It was a term of, of like calling somebody a deplorable or calling somebody a, a, a crazy. The, it, meant, it meant like the party of or little Christs. But listen, you know why they called them little Christs? Because the clothing of Jesus was emanating through them in the city and targeting people to get under conviction. So instead of receiving, they pushed back in a derogatory way, trying to strip the believers of the clothing that made them the only thing that made them something different than the world. They didn't go around calling themselves Christians. People saw Christian because of the clothes they wore. Isn't that amazing? Let's talk not only about the fashion, let's talk about the Christos facts. Here are the facts. The Bible says that it's an impartation from another dimension. The clothing that we're talking about comes from heaven, comes down upon people who already have the Holy Spirit residing in there's a difference between a residential work of the Spirit in and a manifestation on. There's a difference between a residential work of the Spirit within and a manifestation on. We're talking about that. It's a fashion that never goes out of style. You can have, we, you know, church is different today than it was when I started. When I started in, in a one church and I was leading worship and I was a youth pastor and I was a campus pastor at FSU and I was assistant pastor, all for the price of one. <laughs> and one of those many multitask things I did was during worship, you think it's hard to stay in the spirit, Brooke? I'd have to lead worship and we have a transparency with an overhead projector singing off the wall choruses. And so in the middle of the Holy Spirit, I'd have to go put a new one on and keep, and keep the flow and keep the flow. And you know what? I could do it. You got it made. You got it made. That's not the fashion. It's not the kind of music necessarily. It's not the, and all these things are awesome. But you know what the fashion that never fades away is? The presence of heaven on a people. The presence of heaven on a people. The clothing of Jesus in power and favor and healing and just, you know what I'm saying? 
People that are in the clothing of the Spirit on a regular basis, and that's on the worship band, and that's on the people at the door, and that's the people that are in the congregation when we gather together. There is so much going on even before it starts going on. It never goes out of fashion. And we've been born again to be in that. And it's also a fragrance. Not that we can literally smell it, but Paul uses that idea about it being a fragrance. And I was thinking about, you know, I, was, I, was, I was born in the 60s and I can remember my dad's colognes in the 60s. Any, anybody remember high karate? Huh? huh? High karate? I remember being a little kid, maybe eight years old, seeing the high karate commercials and, and the guy would wear the, and he'd have to go, ha, to keep the girls away. So T. McGee was all about that. I thought, you know what? My dad had some of that. And he also had English leather. Anybody remember English leather? So I get the bright idea. I need a little bit of that. I need a little help. You know, I'm going to Moonglow on Friday nights to skate. I got to have something. I got, I got to have, I got to have something. You know what I'm saying? Eric, you know what I'm saying? So I didn't know how much, I didn't know how much you could put on, right? Hey, wasn't it just your birthday? High karate, you can probably get it on eBay. It's, a, it, it's the works, it's the works, right? So I didn't know a little dab would do you, and I just gullied that stuff on me. And I'd come, I'd come down to eat dinner, and my dad would be like, boy, what in the world? I'm like, dad, I just, I, you know, I did that. But yeah, I remember going to college in the 80s. I was only 12, I was really smart, but I went to college in the 80s. But I'm in, I'm in college in the 80s. And how many people went to college in the 80s? How many people remember Halston? Huh? Remember Halston? One of you? How many wore it? What was it? Z4? Girls wore it? I saw some girls raise it. Well, how about, what was the guy? Z14 or something like that? Anybody wear that? Well, I was at another level. We wore Paul Sebastian. And my one friend called it Paul Sebastian. And it was so, it was so, it was so at a high level. Trust me. It was at such a high level that if a guy had it on the dorm, we all felt the liberty to bury it. You know what I'm saying? So we come in. And I had one friend, he was, he was, from, the, he was from the inner city of Tampa, uh, African-American brother, friend of mine, and he'd come, into, he'd come into our room and he'd call it the glue. And he'd come in and say, Brother Tim, I need some of that glue for the blessings. I need some of that glue for the blessings. And man, you'd put that stuff on and you'd be like, oh, you, know, you know what someone's wearing, could you, could you do that? I don't know what the girls wear because I've never been a girl one day in my life. Never have been, never plan to be. But the fragrance. Paul says, Paul says, the clothing of Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about just people that got saved and they know Bible verses. I'm not, not to belittle, but I'm talking about the clothing of Jesus where you're in an immersion, where you're in, you walk into the fragrance of the Lord wherever you are, Paul says that people can recognize that. It's, it's a very distinct understanding. Now, a takeaway from Dustin last week, remember this? He said the enemy has always been hell-bent on undressing us and dishonoring our garments because he's terrified of you being in the fragrance of heaven. He's terrified of you going from having the spirit in you to having the presence of heaven on you. That you've not only been baptized in water and sit in a chair at church, but you've been baptized in the power. And as the father sent Jesus, you're a sent one. You're a sent one. And he will slander you to convince you your robe doesn't work. Uh, and the pressure of the world in the church is to water all this down in fear of being reproached and ridiculed for being seen by those with wise in their eyes attitudes, even in the church world that it's really not because they think they're biblically accurate. They just don't want to be out of control. They want to control the church, control the platform, control the message, control the people. And people have been discipled in that 
to be afraid to really allow the Lord to immerse you in the Holy Spirit because some weirdo did this or some TV evangelist did that, so we get all lumped in, and you don't want to be that. So you just stay in your blessed assurance with your Bible verse, and you sit and watch somebody that has anointing do something for God now and then, and we all go to the evangelism rally, the crusade. How's that working for us? How's that working? Supreme Court judges don't know if you can define a man or a woman. Uh, And on and on. Living in the Christos, there's a price to pay. Living in the Christos, being used where you are open to the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit flowing in you and through you in a church gathering, where you are led by the Spirit to lead the way like this little girl that heard the Lord. Like, where do we grow so old that we, we, aren't, we aren't thinking, maybe it's me this week. Maybe God has a word through me. You know, living clothed in the present day immersion, staying immersed. You know what we'll do? At the end of the song, you don't quit praising God. You just start. The transitions are not based on whether they they know how to segue from a G minor to another chord to take us to the next place so we can continue to feel the Holy Spirit. You are already immersed. You could sing from a hymn book, you could sing from an old GPH chorus book, or you could sing Hawaiian worship or Australian worship or vineyard worship or... It wouldn't matter. You're already in the flow. You're already in the immersion. And you come to church to be the people of God. Yeah, and into your job. This is so critical. We have a choice to make. Here's what Paul says. Do this knowing the time that it's already the hour for you to wake from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. Here's one of the ways that we can lose the immersion. Let us behave properly, not in carousing, not in drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality not in strife and jealousy, but put on. He's talking to Christians. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking to Christians who have the spirit. He's talking to Christians that have been washed in the blood. You know what he says to them? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he's saying? Put on the Christos clothes. It's critical. We wear the, the Christos clothes. And we have a choice, though. The choice right there. He's not going to put that on us. We have to come to him and say, Lord, uh, my, my baptism is stagnant. Uh, my, 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 uh, you know, my, my heart's old. My prayers are cold. My eyes are dry. I haven't wept for souls in years. I haven't prayed. I've prayed and got through praying, but I haven't prayed through in a long time. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. There is a reason why some people stay bound in the world. And it's because the ones God wants to use have stripped down and taken off their clothes. Exchanging heaven's robes for flesh. And God says to us today, Put your clothes back on. Some in the early church, Jesus said, were stained. Their garments were stained. They were tolerating carnality and worldliness and sin had crept back in. And Jesus said, but you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. They will walk with me in white for they're worthy. In other words, these are the people that will walk in an overcoming life, even in the midst of the beast manifestation, and they will have the clothing of the Lord on their life. And then he says, and if you will repent, I will wash your robes. It's very critical. It's our choice. It's also a calling on the church. It's a calling because the world is in a critical condition. The church world is in a critical condition. People desperately need a release from heaven in the house, right? Paul says it this way, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christos. See, you read it differently when you you know what it's... 
It doesn't say that people who go to church and believe and all that, which is great, it doesn't say that he's always leading them in triumph. The people that are being led in triumph are people clothed in Christ. Because watch what happens. You manifest, phanero is the word. It means, it means that the, when you come into the situation, when you and I come into the office, when you and I come into the, uh, the, the lobby of, of, a, of, a, of a place, when you and I come into uh, the school that we, wherever we are, Phanero happens. Something that nobody knew existed shows up on the scene, just like Jesus of Nazareth. This in Christos manifests a sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we're a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved. So when we are immersed in the Christos, when we come into the place where there are other believers with the Spirit, they recognize Jesus. Jesus is about to do something. The presence of God is about to re Have you ever sensed that when, we're in, when you're in a prayer group or you're in a Bible study or you're around people, you're walking through the marketplace or the mall and you, and you went there clothed in Christos? There's a sensitivity have you ever been somewhere outside of the four walls of a church and you just sense God move your heart to move towards somebody or share something? They could be somebody you knew, somebody you didn't know, and the next thing you do, you find yourself walking up somebody, say, this is gonna sound crazy, but listen, when I was getting, when I was looking at my spaghetti, the box of spaghetti, which one? The Holy Spirit, well, you might not say that, but I, I just, how are you anyway? That's, that's what this is. That's what this is. But we're also an aroma to those who are perishing. It's so important that we wear the Christos because people think they're going to heaven and they're going to hell. And some preachers are preaching to people that are going to hell that they're going to heaven. And we can argue that till the cows come home in an argument will never change a heart. But you know what changes a heart? Someone in the Christos. Because then the Holy Spirit can say to the person that's got 55 arguments why they can live the way they're living and God and his aroma comes up around them and they may never admit it to you but inside they're hearing, nuh-uh, nuh-uh. It's so important we wear the Christos and we're not soiled or stained. It's so important that we have a fresh baptism of the Spirit we can get water baptized every, every, every time we have one. I've, ba I've, seen, I've had people at the altar that, need to get, that think they need to get saved every week. Not let, you know, I've been in the ministry for a long time. You've seen everything. I'm not sure I'm saying, well, get sure. Get sure. It's so critical. There's a kind of glory that draws people to the Father, that awakes people's souls to rise up out of the prison of despair and condemnation. There is an anointing that lifts people's heart that doesn't even beat, and then it starts beating again. There is an anointing, there's a Christos clothing on, that God wants to put on you fresh that will take a dormant spiritual DNA in the lost and the backslidden. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have been backslidden at a time and then God brought you back? How did that work? How did that happen? Usually something comes to your senses. You smell something in the spirit. A light that you never saw, you see again, right? And the Lord starts bringing you back. It's so important that we wear this garment. It's so important. We have to choose to dress. I want to close with this. We have to believe this to be so. We have to hey, we have to, this, I want to push, I want to push at you a minute. Some of us have been in this church now for a while. And you've, you've experienced the difference. The difference isn't because of a person or a program. The difference is because I and some others believe in the full present day ministry of the Holy Spirit. The baptism, 
the speaking in tongues, the words of prophecy, discerning of spirits, the words of knowledge, the spirit of faith, the gifts of healing. The reason why there's a difference is because of the Christos. And some of us have been made aware of it. But you've also been, like I was, discipled in another point of view that you're afraid that if you go all in, you're going to look like Ralphie in his grandma's PJ standing at the top of the steps going, dear God. The condition of fear on people. Well, what if I this or what if I that? What if you don't though? What if you don't? What you don't know, listen, you don't know what you're missing. And listen, there's a lot of people talking about stuff that doesn't exist. You know why it doesn't, why they talk that way? Because it doesn't exist in them. And then I want to close with this last thing. Last week at the end of Dustin's message, when the, the band began to play, the Lord gave me a word. I, was, I said this to Jenna last week, and I said, you know, I feel a word on me right now, and I don't know whether, I don't want to, I don't want to step into a situation here because uh, it looked like we were getting ready to close. It was so powerful, so strong. And, and then the Lord spoke to my heart and said, just bring it up at the end of next week because the same people will be here. See, I got a lot of things that God has to do in my life. But if you, if you allow the Lord to, con- to keep you in a fresh immersion, you can hear things that other people don't. While other people are thinking it's too long and ready to hit the cracker barrel, God's talking to you about something that's gonna change the course of an entire family in a moment. And that's not just for preachers. Please, that's the problem. We think the preachers are the great anointed of the earth. No, you're the great anointed of the earth. You are the great anointed of the earth. You have the big Jesus, not the little Jesus. Sometimes you might miss your healing by looking for a pastor to pray for you when it's the person sitting behind you that's supposed to pray for you. The Lord spoke to my heart last week that there were men and women of God love the Lord with their struggles, with their problems and all that. But there are, there are influences coming at you nonstop like Velcro sticking words of slander in dehumanization and, discredit, and discrediting and mockery and false condemnation on your life constantly, constantly, constantly. And the Lord showed me that. And some of you are here today. You were here last week, and I felt it so strong that the Lord's heart toward you wanted to let you know that he hasn't placed one of those labels on you. But he told me this to ask you this. He, he said, I want to, listen, he said, I want to oil them up. And as soon as I heard that, I saw these, these slanderous words, like, you know when you have a post-it and after a while it doesn't stick anymore? He said, I want to oil those people up so strongly that those words cannot land and stay on their souls. And maybe that's you. Maybe that's you. Because listen, you're a giant killer. You're a Gideon. You're, you're to dance behind the Ark of the Covenant as the Lord's bringing blessings into a new family and a new generation in your life while others are saying, oh, look at you. Oh, look at this. Oh, you're so spiritual. Yeah, yeah, I see who you really are. Velcro, Velcro. And the Lord, you know what the Lord does? David said, he anoints my head with oil. When the, when the shepherd would anoint a sheep on their head, it would keep the parasites from being able to land because they, if they could land, they would weave into the brain of the sheep and make them go insane. And so the Lord takes those word curses 
so they don't land in your soul to get you to disrobe or to be convinced you're not robed in power, you're not robed in glory, you're not robed in beauty. I'm here to tell you that's been a demonic assault on your destiny in the kingdom of God, in your leadership, in the way you minister. You default back instead of stepping up and contending, not with the individual, but with that demon that's trying to stop you. How do you get out of that? You today allow Jesus to oil you up. And there are many in this room today that need a fresh immersion in the Christos of the Holy Spirit. Are you willing to be clothed with power from on high? The only way that you can change and I can change the world is through the power of another world residing on you. The only thing that can change people that walk into this church is that someone from another world has high place in this house. Would you stand please? On December 8th, 1980, one of my favorite musical uh, idols at the time, John Lennon, was assassinated. It's interesting how things... I was so overwhelmed by that. That's, I know that sounds like I didn't have a life. That's what... But I was so overwhelmed by that, you know, it moved me. It made me think about eternity. There was a lot of things in the, in the year before that was making me think about eternity and that I grew up in church, but I didn't know Jesus and I was really wrecked. Uh, by January, I was saved. And not only saved, I was clothed in Christos. December 8th, my little grandbaby, third granddaughter was born. Same day, same day. It's amazing how... And I know, I know my grandkids, I'm believing my grandkids are going to, are not only going to grow up in church, they're going to grow up in Christos. Whether they're senators or business leaders or educators or preachers, doesn't matter. What matters is you're clothed in Christos. Today, when I walked in here, I really felt to walk through this congregation because the Lord made me aware, Tim, there's going to be somebody, at least one person that was in your condition when you came rebelliously, reluctantly with your parents to the Wesleyan church, unbeknownst to you that this was T. McGee Day, to be rescued from the demonic clutches that held you, to find your destiny birthed in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit, and to be clothed in a power beyond yourself, and that happened before noon that Sunday morning. And the Lord spoke to me today and said, I want you to pray before this service, walk through here, because this person will have an opportunity today that they may not have again. And so my friend, I don't know who you are. I might know you if you or somebody I know, but I don't know who you are and I know you're not the only person. There are others of us that God wants to take us into high levels of ministry and power and influence. But a new immersion is required and it can happen for you today. So Heavenly Father, I just pray that every, every influence, the spirit of fear, the double-mindedness, the thing that pulls of us to waver between two opinions. Okay, is this for real? Does God do this today? What if this? What about that? And I don't know about the. What about all these pieces? Listen, you know, the, the, the presence of the Spirit in the immersion of the ministry of the Spirit when Jesus baptizes you in the Spirit, a lot of that stuff just floats right down the river. It just floats right down the river. I'm telling you today that if your heart's wide open, God's heart's wide open. If, you're, if your hands are uplifted, God will touch those hands. God will pour on you. 
It doesn't matter who you are. And it does, like, what will they think? What if you're somebody that everybody knows? And you know, what will they think? Who, who, what will they think? What will God think? What will the angels think? I challenge you today. If he is speaking to you, don't shut the door in his face. Don't get religious on the spirit and say, well, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would release today in this room the mighty rivers that flow from your throne to saturate your already saved people with power and favor and healing from on high. I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. This is the beginning of ministry now, not the end. You're welcome to come and seek his face and let him touch your life.